All right, we are rolling now. Counting us down. Three, two. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hello there, Misketeers, and welcome back to Missing Out. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. And if this is your first time listening, what we do here is we introduce each other to different media, whether it be movies, music, television, spoken word, books, experiences, things that have built us up as people, and we hope that in sharing it, it builds you up. We are the retrospective that is introspective. Man, you set me up to feel good at the beginning of that intro, and by the end, I felt even better. Oh, Which good. is the opposite of what happened to me while I watched the film that you put in front of me this week. <laughs> yes. Um, I made Lex watch the insanely sad uh, <laughs> 1988 film Grave of the Fireflies. It was directed by Isao Takahara. Um, it was animated. Oh, and it was also written by uh, the adaptation was written by Isao Takahara as well. It was animated by Studio uh, Ghibli. Ghibli however you'd like to pronounce it. Um, and then it is based on the original short story by um, Akiyuki Nosaka. And uh, it is essentially, if you know nothing about this, it is, is set in the latter half of World War II in Japan. Um, it takes place in um, Kobe, Japan, in which uh, the America was constantly firebombing them and most regions of Japan. And so the story takes place from the perspective of uh, a young boy and his little sister uh-huh. um, who are orphaned in the midst of all of this. They sure are. Can I just, because, all right, because the plot, to actually describe the plot of this thing, you could argue it's a spoiler, but really you're only spoiling the very first scene of this thing, right? Okay. It frames the story for you. This is a story about uh, two children who over the course of an hour and a half of movie starve to death yes yep yeah um i mean yes and all, and all the the soaring highs that entails. <laughs> um yeah i mean you yes in the first in the first scene the the narration starts with you know, my name is, uh, what is his name again? He's like, my name's Seta, and I died on September something in 1995 or 1945. Um, and you're like, cool. And then it takes you into a whimsical world where he's reunited with his sister, and they kind of walk back through the events that brought them there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very beautiful. Um, but that's, and that's the first scene. So like, you know, it's, it's, it's the journey really. (laughs) And the journey is sad. It lets Um, you know, right up top that you are going to be, to be miserable, uh, in a sense. Now I, I don't want to, uh, I did enjoy this movie for what it was. Like, I think there's a lot about this movie that is truly fantastic. Yeah. It will make you feel absolutely awful inside. Yes. Uh, and it lets you know. Right away, it lets you know that you are going to feel awful. And by the end, it showed you that what, whatever you imagined this was going to be like, it, it, it was worse. It was, in it, and it, it was worse. It was going to be worse for you. And so when you're scraping 
your soul off of the floor with like you know one of those ice scrapers that they have in the in the yeah. in New England when they got to dig their cars out. Right. When you're scraping your soul off the floor with one of those, you'll know that I tried to warn you. Tari, Tari <laughs> J said, "No, go. It's safe over there." And I said, "No, run." Oh yes. So I thought about uh, giving you a warning about how sad this movie was, <laughs> but I decided not to. And here's the reason. Um, I I really wanted you to experience it without uh, any prejudgments or any thoughts. And I just gave you the title. I didn't even tell you it was. I think I just told you it was just an animated movie. Um, because well, I was like that Grave of the Fireflies. That does not. I mean, it doesn't sound happy. I mean, it could have been. You're like, oh man, look at all these wonderful fireflies. Um, well, they, to, to be fair, they they do get to have that cake and eat it too. Cause yeah, they're it, it, the fireflies uh, in question. In fact, the the titular grave of the fireflies. That whole sequence and that turn represents both sort of the height of beauty in this movie, and also sort of the the horrible emotional depths to which this thing intends to drag you. Yeah, um, and so I decided not to give you. A warning. You sure didn't. My first question when the, the credits rolled on this thing was, why did you want me to feel this way? What did I do? Um, so here's here was my reasoning. Um, because we've we've often discussed on this show how um, how like animation is is like sometimes you'll feel there's like like a little barrier of entry. Yeah, which is something that I I've. I've also said, like, I don't like that that's happening. And that seems to be happening as I'm getting older. And it's not across the board, but it happens enough. And it, it bums me out because I feel like it it sort of uh, boxes me out of things that I might otherwise get a bunch out of. Right. And so I felt like this story itself was, it was slice of life enough. Um, it has an emotional center to it. It's very well animated. And I think that, like, it could have just as easily been a live action story, but you get um, you get a little bit more because it's animated. Uh, and so I felt like this would probably be something that you could connect to very easily and something that you could really appreciate. Well, so, okay, it's interesting that you put it that way. Yes, uh, I, I would agree with that. The thought that I kept having while I was watching it was, oh, this feels like a movie. Right. Yeah, so well done. Yes, I mean, I know my audience. Um, <laughs> But also, like, I, I also really feel like this movie is indicative of the, the depths that, we, that you can go, even if the medium is animated. And so, like, when I was first introduced to this movie, it was given to me on a list of very sad animated things. Did you ask for a list of very sad animated things in particular? Or I don't remember why I got this list. <laughs> I don't remember at all. But like people were like, oh my gosh, you gotta watch this thing. So it was like this, Watership Down, oh. um, and there's an anime called um, I I can't I always forget the name of it, but it's like it's it's like here and there, now and then. Okay. Um, which it it gets it's fucking it gets dark. Um, oh, what happens in that? I'll I'll make you watch it at some point. It's it gets dark, man. Is it more sad than Grave of the Fireflies? Um, no, because okay. it it has a little bit more fantasism to it. 
Okay. Um, but like in that one, uh, like a kid starts off in, in the regular world and he is transported to another world, which is like a, a water dictatorship. Like the, they hoard all the water and, and that's how they keep people in line like is in like Fury Road. Uh, sort of. And so uh, basically the the whole beginning of it is them being like, where did you come from? And hit them like trying to beat it out of him. So it's a lot of him getting beaten. And then his compatriot um, at some point gets assaulted and like it's fucked up. OK. Um, anyway, it was on the list of very sad, emotionally jarring, not for kids animations I was recommended. Got it. Um, and I don't know if you've seen Watership Down. Uh, long, long time ago, yeah. Also, bit very upsetting. sad. A little upsetting. Yes. Um, so I felt like this was, out of the three, it was the most um, approachable. Because Watership Down is rabbits. Right. And then um, here and there, whatever, that one, um, is, uh, it's a series. Okay. So uh, this movie is self-contained, and it was just enough to get your your feelings going. Did you think? Wait, so the you you made it sound like you ruled out Watership Down because it's rabbits. Did you think rabbits would be an additional barrier? For Probably, <laughs> but I also assumed that you had seen it. Um, this one, yeah. I assumed you hadn't because it was it's an, it's animated or it's anime. Yes, technically. Um, this, uh, just for a little informational background is a, is a Studio Ghibli, uh, film, but it's not like one of the big Hayao Miyazaki films that everyone is always touting. Um, like, uh, Isao Takahara works with Studio Ghibli a lot. And so like they've done other films together, um, but they're always lesser known. And I feel like his are a lot more like Grave of the Flyer, Fireflies, where it's it's very slice-of-life oriented, whereas Hayao Miyazaki's stuff is always um, large, sweeping, fantastical epics. Yeah. Um, so I, and I also like that this studio can do both. Mm-hmm. They can, like, and, and they can bring their top-tier animation practices to something as small as just a tale about uh, a brother and sister. But, like, the way that they do their visual storytelling and even just some of the techniques they use are really fantastic. Um, like there's a sequence where um, Seta and Satoko are, or Setsuko are running along a bunch of rice fields and you can see the, the stalks passing by mm. in the foreground. Um, and that it's not CG or anything like, cause this was back in the eighties. And so like they had to, essentially like animate that and, and use the different cell layers to make it appear that way. And it was almost like it was live action except with um, animated characters in the back. Yes. The, the, all of the imagery in this movie feels alive. Like you say, feels like live action. Yeah. The, the frames constantly feel alive in a way that I don't always see in hand-drawn animation because you don't always have the, the time and you don't always have the craftspeople to, to uh, tweak it in such fine, minute detail. But also, even in other anime things you've shown me, you, I, I feel like I never see that level of detail and it makes the whole thing so, so immersive. Yeah. Um, yeah, even just like small character choices that they do. Like um, the, the director, Takahata, was talking about how 
um, Setsuko was the youngest person that he had ever animated. Um, and so he had to do a lot of research into like how her movements work and like how, what kind of attitude a, a, a four-year-old has and how that would essentially translate into animation. And you see it and like, it really like, like Setsuko is such a realistic little kid and she has such active facial expressions and even just the way that she like, let's say she hands something to Seta, it has that like, that, uh, lower motor function, innocent quality to it. Yes. Um, of someone who is just kind of getting used to using their body. Yep. Um, uh, they, yep. They, they sure do. They sure do know how to make you completely empathize and with and fall in love with this kid. <laughs> yep. Yeah. They it's sure. very effective. Yep. Um, so. <laughs> Ow. Um, it hurts. It's yes. It hurts so much. I know. Like to be fair, right. My big takeaway uh, from this movie is how utterly, utterly abysmal it made me feel. But that is only a testament to how successful this movie is in pretty much everything it's attempting. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about like theming and all that stuff and, and context once we get past the spoiler wall. But yeah, I agree that like it's all of those little pieces that really make you engaged with the, the material and all of the really um, minute pieces that help you kind of feel for these characters. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I really like tip my hat to, and everyone knows that Studio Ghibli is so good. Um, and, but this is just, this was like their second film that they had ever done. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and which is, is crazy. Like the first one was, I believe it was, not Howl's moving. It was Castle in the Sky. Okay. Um, and then and then this one. And so um, they were still refining some of their techniques. Um, and I know that uh, the director mentioned that he wanted to try some experimental stuff, but like the the uh, release date had already been set, and a lot of the people had already been hired on. Mm. And so he was like, "All right, you know, I'm going to use the the techniques that we already have." but like, we're just going to make sure that they're as top tier as possible. Um, and I, I really appreciate that. Like in there are some, and you can tell it's an early film, especially made in the eighties. Cause there are some frames where you can kind of see the, um, the shadow of the cell. Okay. Um, and I, I like those little things. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, a, it's almost like a reminder that like it's, it's animation and, and that like they are, they're doing this on a frame by frame basis and just like shows how hard the work is. Well, like human hands made this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it, yes, it ages. It's how a lot of people will, will argue. And I agree with the argument that, uh, practical effects, even old, super hokey practical effects age better than sort of older hokey CG, just because there's, I guess the charm, the novelty aspect of knowing, being able to feel, oh yes, it's maybe slightly imperfect, but this is something that human beings made by hand. Right. And I feel like there's it's just something that happens in your brain where it's like that's easier to embrace than, oh, a computer did this, could have done it better. <laughs> well, because technology in our eyes are always um, are, are always evolving. But like when it comes to practical things, our brains are more geared towards things that feel more tactile. Mm -hmm. And so it's easier for our brains to settle into something that feels like it can be touched, whereas... Uh, most things that are computer generated um, are we have a natural separation from yeah. because it doesn't feel as tactile. Right. 
Um, but anyway, I feel like this is a good time to start shoving down that spoiler wall. I'm, 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 I'm sending the bombs out of my, out of my plane and it's, it's, it's creating a big wall, uh, fire so that you don't pass it for spoilers. This was, this was insensitive. This is bad. There's no good way to try and make it a story relevant to this movie. <laughs> Could be like, you know, uh, if if uh, if you're starved for content, oh. don't mistake those rocks for for spoilers. Oh no, it's, those marbles aren't fruity drops. Oh jeez. Yeah, there's no good version of this. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm just gonna drop down the spoiler wall. Um, so if you have not seen Grave of the Fireflies. Uh, it's available on Hulu if if you have that. It's also on an assortment of other platforms. So please check it out. Um, support the official release, as they say. Um, and while you're here, uh, make sure that you leave us a review if you haven't done so, or uh, leave us a rating. That really helps us get to the top of the charts. Uh, helps other people find us, as you know. The most important and influential way of marketing is word of mouth. Uh, so this is your chance to jump off. If you haven't seen it and you don't want some spoilers past this point, you're going to get some spoilers. So if you ready, we're going to do it right after this break. All right, we are back. Um, so as we jump into like the sequence of events that take place in this movie. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure to state that this was in the original short story was semi auto autobiographical. Um, so, uh, Akiyuki Nosaka, his, he mostly went through a lot of the aspects of what Seta did. And so, um, his mother died of a uh, sickness. His father died in, uh, in the actual bombings. Um, and his sister died of starvation great yeah that's something else we didn't we didn't hit that in the in the opening and they don't i guess this is more of a spoiler because they don't i don't think they tell you in the very first scene that before these children starve to death their parents too die horribly yes um i mean yes the the mother's death was real brutal um i had made a specific note that um uh the maggots and flies on on her remains are uh pretty rough and they like make a very big point of like as they're moving her body, there's just maggots falling out, and people are just stepping over them. And they're like, "It's a hot day, so you know they're they're gonna they're gonna keep coming out." And you're like, "Ah, oh, hooray!" And they just throw all the bodies into a big pile, and they're like, "They're dead now." <laughs> um, but yeah, so um. <laughs> just like smoking cigarettes while the bonfire of bodies is going up just looking at each other like oh i guess war is heck <laughs> um yeah so um i mean needless to say that um nosaka didn't die um he but like all the rest of the stuff i mean i would imagine like okay so biologically he's still alive i can't imagine everything everything else like i can't imagine there wouldn't be at least partial soul atrophy at that point <laughs> i mean you could understand why he needed to like get it out and he became uh, a very well-known writer and so i imagine a lot of his writing was him kind of processing through these pieces mm -hmm. um there was a discussion 
especially like with him and another one with uh, Isao who, uh, and they were talking about the, the idea of Seta and him being a unique take on a, a wartime teenager in that he had more of the attitudes of a modern 80s teenager as opposed to a teenager who was living through war, who was expected to kind of suck up or suck it up in the face of his adversity and really like keep trying to like not show any emotion about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Seta was very affected by the things that were happening around him. And like, even though he had a brave face, he was also very like, uh, you know, he, he like took action to try to alleviate himself of the issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, the him living with his aunt, um, back in those days, it would have just been something he would have had to be stoic about and accept. Right. Um, whereas he was like, well, if she's going to be a real big poop, then I'm not going to take it and I'm just going to do it, do some, do things on my own. Right. Um, which to them was a more modern uh, sensibility than than what was depicted or expected of someone back in those days. Okay. Um, and so like, and I really like that aspect because I think that it really gives Seta a, a, a bit of character, but you also feel the strain of what he has to do. Um, though I think the way that uh, Nosaka describes his story is he describes it as a double suicide um, in that I think he puts a lot of, um, a lot of Seta's problems back on him. Like Seta chose to live in that shelter. Seta chose to take his little sister and, um, and they ended up starving to death because they didn't have any resources. I mean, I get though. It's like, you could say he chose to, but you have to put real big finger quotes like like your arms should hurt tomorrow the (laughs) size of these finger quotes around chose to right i mean but that's just i think that that is the perspective of the guy who wrote it who lived through the experience to be like well he chose to like that was his choice and it's a it's a choice that a modern uh modern sensibilities would kind of back up but like back then you were just expected to endure well and i could also see i mean obviously uh it's easy to stand removed from the scenario by both circumstance and a number of years. Right. Uh, I, I can't imagine, even if you know somewhere inside yourself that you didn't truly have a choice, that this was the only real course of action available to you. If it ends the way it does, I, I can't imagine how you wouldn't have at least a moment of what, what could I have done differently? What could I have done more? Even if, anyone else would look at the scenario and say you did everything you possibly could it's only because of you that she lasted as long as she did yeah but when you're in it it's like yeah how can how can you not have the thought of like well this was my responsibility you know and i i made choices especially when when sort of grasping the reins that way and sort of taking that kind of aggressive agency it was a little bit more taboo right Mm -hmm. like how do you not feel uh on top of all of the rest of it well i should have just done what was expected of me i should have just done x or y because now right like not not only is there the the grief and the shame of feeling responsible for the loss specifically but also the double shame of this happened because i 
I stepped outside the the boundaries and I didn't have to. They told me not to do it. Right. And in my hubris, I did it anyway. And, and look what happened. Yeah. So, yeah, real easy for me to say, bro, not your fault. Real easy for me to say that. <laughs> but I I can't imagine what that would be like to have to try and process through. Yeah. The the director also has a perspective of, of these uh, Sata specifically want, decided to live out side of the system which was the cause of his ultimate downfall um which i think is a i think to me feels like a um one of those things where the the story and the the like thing you create has a bigger wider appeal than the specific thing that you intended mm-hmm. um because like a lot of people mostly see this movie as a an anti-war uh film and you totally get that because the 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 movie itself is like like the war is in the background but it's all about the people having to how the war is affecting them how their food is scarce because it has to go towards the war people are dying on a constant basis work is hard to find yeah and it like tears families apart war does not come off well in this movie right um and so like you you definitely get that theme of like oh yeah there's a there's a human cost to war and it's not just the way it's been you know portrayed before this where it was like go to war and feel the glory die for your country your nation needs you and it's more like no like this conflict of people who aren't fighting on the ground uh is affecting people from the top to the bottom on every level and it is essentially uh a it's 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 essentially a Sisyphusian thing in, in that like it has no ultimate meaning, but it also uh has a very high cost. Right. Um which I think that the the movie itself is really good about portraying, but I don't think that the creator saw it that way. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because to me that's all that's all there. Like I just I took it so for granted that that had to be in large part the intention because it's just so much of what the movie is. I mean, every terrible thing that happens to these kids and boy, a lot of terrible things happen to these kids. Yeah. Pretty much every single one of them is a, a, a fairly direct byproduct of this horrible, unstoppable force or seemingly unstoppable. I mean, of course the irony is like, yeah, of course it could be stopped. It's people who are running the wars and fighting the wars. Right. Once the thing gets going, you know, especially if you are one of the, the people on the ground, especially if you're a child in a wartime scenario, it is this massive, completely unstoppable, destructive force. You can't reason with it. Be like trying to have a debate with a hurricane, you know, right? Like there's just nothing to be done about it except do everything you can to try and live through this giant, this, this tsunami that's coming at you. Um, because that's so much of what, of what the movie is. I just would have assumed that, that that's so what the point is, you know, like, but I feel like you can't tell this story without that being the, the implication, right. You know, and even implication makes it sound like you have to go through a couple of steps to get there, you know, but it's like, no, like that's, this story doesn't exist without, war and it doesn't exist specifically without war not being all that awesome right yeah i mean i think that like making this movie you couldn't help but to put that aspect in it especially especially if you're uh japan which so we you and i as americans have never really been on the receiving end of a war loss 
Um, I mean, depends on like how your feelings about uh, Vietnam or Korea uh, may vary. On we've a we've never had an atomic weapon used on our soil. Right. There we go. Like we can, <laughs> let's just put as fine a point on it as possible. You know, I mean, but like, I think that in general, like even wars, like the way that American propaganda and Western propaganda happens is that like, even things that we don't necessarily come out on top of are, are spun in a way that it's like, we're great and we're doing great things. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Whereas like, we have never really had to be on the, um, on the hard side of a, of a war loss where like, uh, cause in the beginning slash at the end of this film, they're talking, it's right as America is about to start putting troops inside of Japan. Uh, cause we're like, Hey, we got to make sure that you don't, uh, go against us again. Be a shame if something else happened to your country. Uh, so we're just going to put some people here to make sure it's, it's okay. That's fine with you right God, i'm like that probably is exactly how that conversation went right um and so um we've i so i think i feel like western western perspectives on this are like yeah you know like war's bad and stuff um whereas like i feel like in japan there there are specific expectations that were um kind of forced upon you at that point and like i think that i i understand that that dichotomy of like Yes, uh, I of course war is bad, and of course I'm going to to portray that. But my perspective specifically about these characters is different. Um, so I think that that is probably the balance that we see is that like everyone working on it as well, all the animators, all the 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 like people who are doing the this the script work, um, put a lot of that history into it. Even if the director specifically is like, nah. It's about this guy and his uh, his little sister choosing to be to choosing to fail. Right. Well, it's it. So it ends up functioning equally well on both levels. Right. It functions both uh, in terms of plot, which is what it sounds like the director in particular was focused on. And then yeah. also all of the other work, all the other details, uh, the way it makes that war, even though, yes, most of the, the actual war is playing out in the background, the way it and its impact feel so uh, immediate uh, it, it really, so I, I'm not sure what the story is about thematically without that. Right. You know what I mean? Like if that's not there, it's what is the grander without that context, right? What is the, what is the purpose of dragging us through this truly miserable series of occurrences, you know? Yeah. It's to make you feel something, Lex. But like, what would the point now? And I'm not even one of those people who sits there and insists, oh, like every movie has to have a point that is readily apparent or I wasted my time because like that's reductive and kind right. of a, a boring way to approach art. But I would wonder and not as a value assessment, you know, it, th- this doesn't mean it's good or bad or worthy or unworthy. What would the point have been? You know? Yeah. Like this is a, uh, uh, I died. My sister died first. I look at it happening. Oh, look at it happening. <laughs> oh, look, oh uh, and there she goes. Uh, and now I'm dead. Yeah. What, what is the, what is the purpose of telling this story? If not that additional, if that additional context doesn't sort of lend it one. Right. Um, and I can't answer that. Right. right. So it's, it's great that they were able to make both work because I think the, the way that they married the two is, is, incredibly successful right and it makes it uh, 
it's so upsetting. It's so upsetting, but the fact that it is so upsetting, again, like I said earlier in the conversation, it's a testament to how successful they were uh, in terms of balancing those elements, the the plot elements, the thematics, and also like we were talking about uh, the visual aesthetic of this thing. It all makes this movie feel like, like I said before, like a, like a movie. Right. This feels like a movie in a way that, yeah, a lot of, a, a lot of entertainment in a similar vein, in a similar style that I've been exposed to doesn't. Right. And again, not a value assessment. That's not, this is better or, or whatever. It's just, this feels, uh, this feels more accessible, but you used it to hurt me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> um, and so like, I feel like if you haven't seen this movie, maybe you've forgotten all the things that Seta and uh, Setsuko go through. Um, so uh, I'm just going to recount them really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so initially uh, their mom gets burned very badly in a, in a fire bombing. And then uh, essentially she dies almost immediately. It's bad. Um, it's real bad. And so then they have to go live with their aunt who is mean. She's mean in like a really passive slash aggressive way. And also in an irrational way. Yeah. Like these kids, these kids just want some rice, bro. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, and, and I think that like she represents those expectations of people in wartime. If you're not doing something to help your nation, you're useless. What's the point of you if you're not, um, you know, holding up your your national responsibilities? Um, and she like almost basically flat out says that. There's a moment where she's like, "Our lodger is doing this for our nation, and our daughter's doing this for uh, for the nation. What are you doing? Just hanging out with your dumb, stupid sister?" Um, and it's like, well. He's 14, my dude. Yeah. Um, his his school got burned down. Yep. And also the steel mill he worked in uh, also, also his, got burned down. Also his mom, for all intents and purposes, got burned down. Right. Um, so uh it's it's I feel like that to me is the hardest part. Not no, not the hardest part to watch because there's a lot of sad stuff that comes, but like it's the most frustrating in that there's no sympathy for this kid. No. Um, and like, there's nowhere for him to go. Like there's nothing for him to do because every, it, it seems like if you don't have a job or there's then, then like there's, there's nowhere for you to go. Mm -hmm. um, and his father is in the Navy. So it's not like he can go live with his father. And he also hadn't heard back from him in a very long time. And his, his, his aunt is just giving him shit. And like his his sisters having night terrors, and his aunts coming in being like, "Ah, it's enough that we have fire bombings. Why does your dumb sister have to keep crying?" And it's like, "Cause she's traumatized. Cause our mom's dead." Um, uh, it's funny you you mentioned uh, you mentioned the dad in passing. The dad who we never see in the story also almost assuredly uh, killed at sea. Yes. Um, so that's no good idea. Yeah. I mean, even if he wasn't, it doesn't seem like there are real easy ways of finding people uh, at this time. Right. And so, like, there's a, he, uh, uh, Seta keeps trying, being told to, like, 
try to contact his other relatives, but he doesn't know how to contact them. Right. Uh, so like, even if he, so even if his dad was alive, I'm sure he'd come back to his town and be like, Oh, I don't know what's where anyone is and everyone's probably dead. And then his dad's like, okay, I guess that's the end. But also we find out later that everyone in the, in the Japanese Navy was wiped out and is sunk to the bottom of the sea very casually. Yeah. Um, real shitty. Um, but, but also too, like that, it, it, it very, very casually, uh, we never meet the dad. Um, but it's sort of his death. It's, it's interesting. There's a ton of, there's a ton of layers and this brings me back to, I have no idea how this story really functions without all of the, the war stuff. Yeah. It's, it's in the background, but so he learns of the probable death of his father, essentially in the same conversation where he learns that Japan has surrendered. Yeah. So the death of his father is also sort of the death of the, the war cause, which is sort of what. You, what you were just describing, everybody's expected to sort of uh, demonstrate fealty to the way in the same culture you're supposed to demonstrate fealty to your elders. So I right. do think that's an interesting parallel. Um, but also the way that they dispense that information so casually, it really is just sort of another example of war being this completely unfeeling, chaotic force right like like a tsunami except that now this guy is not even talking as a an individual human being he's almost talking as like a mouthpiece of the war mechanism mm -hmm. this thing that just doesn't care just doesn't give a shit it's like oh yeah you had a dad yeah i had a dad once too yours is at the bottom of the i don't know where mine is yours is at the bottom of the ocean bro that's just how it works <laughs> that's just what happens right uh we got shit we just surrender we got shit to do sorry buddy um it's it all yeah i really don't have any idea how you tell the story without without all the all the war stuff because it makes it all yeah i don't think he's he's ne necessarily like negating the war stuff in terms of the the director's perspective i think he's i, I think he's mostly trying to tell a story about how separating yourself from society will ultimately end in failure um because that's what that's what um satan and uh, sets code do is they essentially like i got i get it i yeah. get now i get more what you were what you were getting at before right got it yeah yeah yeah. that makes sense so you yes you could i don't know how you go about doing this thing though yeah i agree um and I, because I, they're intrinsically linked especially because it's semi-autobiographical -autobi like these are actual lived experiences, so you can't separate the two because they all happen because of the other. Right. Um, so, but yeah, and, and that's part of how we get to the next phase of uh, their journey in that the aunt is so mean and so, so like irrational. There's a moment where she's like, he bought, I, she tells them to cook their own food and he buys a stove and she's like, how dare he? And you're like, what do you want? <laughs> What, what what do you want out of it? and right. so so they decide to just live on their own they find a, a an abandoned shelter and they get all their stuff they get their nettings they get they take their stove um and basically find a way to live off the land for a while um i mean it's not the most nutritious uh existence that they had they mostly subside off of like soybeans uh sometimes rice uh, frogs if necessary, uh, and fish, but that's very, it's protein heavy. You're not getting uh, a lot of other nutrients. And so like over time, uh, Setsuko is, becomes malnutrition, malnutrition, 
malnutrition. She she gets malnutrition because like they can't have real meals because especially over time when everything is still being rationed, they were able to do some trades with different farmers, but farmers won't buy from them anymore. Right. Or sell to them. And so at a certain point, like they're between a rock and a hard place. Um, I do really like um, this. This movie does a really good job of finding whimsy in very tra- in a very overly tra- o- overarchingly tragic story. Um, so, like, I loved the sequences of Seta robbing people or taking food during the fire bombings. Like he'd go into town when everyone runs into the shelter and he'd go in and be like, all right, got some food, got some dresses, got Mm. some stuff. Like it's just how he had to take care of himself. Um, This, this movie does a really good job of almost making you feel secure about where these kids are. And then like pulling the rug out from you. Like there are a lot of like really nice moments of just them playing together and then they're like, oh, look at them on the beach. And you're like, oh, wait, there's a dead body. And you're like, oh, man, look at him finding those resources. And you're like, oh, no. He took her to the doctor and she's, she's malnourished and has diarrhea and won't be able to get any real food. I mean, the the... And then he's like, oh, man, I have real food. And they're like, no, she's too far gone. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, look, this is this is the movie. And, and it it is really fascinating, again, to continue to consider that the director wanted it to be one thing. And because of the backdrop they set it against, the story really does become about how war sort of destroys anything innocent and pure, yeah. right? And because they literally destroy it. Well, all right, metaphorically, but they literally, metaphorically destroy, they kill innocence and purity twice. The second is when the little girl succumbs to her starvation. Yeah. And the first is is the fireflies, the titular fireflies, right? Yeah. You talk about there's this wonderful scene where for a moment their their troubles leave them and they get to just look at these these beautiful fireflies, these little uh, flying lights, right? These perfectly it's just pure innocent beauty. Yeah. Next day all the fireflies are dead. Yes. Just straight dead and and uh set help me what's her name setsuko setsuko thank you uh setsuko is trying to process through and also having just lost their mother why are they only here for such a short time yeah and then she looks right at the camera that isn't there because it's animated but they made it they made a choice like she's looking right down the camera a big shrug she's like oh no uh and at the end of the movie it's the exact same thing our our character who is sort of the the avatar of pure uh innocent sort of joy love uh, whatever you want to call it that needed to be protected right like her older brother was trying to protect yes literally her but also sort of metaphorically that that light that purity that innocence uh that he himself was sort of forced to shed earlier yeah um she dies and she dies it's pretty fucking brutal to watch yeah um because they man, they drag you through it man they drag you through this little girl this little poor innocent girl succumbing to to malnutrition and Mm -hmm. and it's it's fuck it's rough um but they do it twice i mean this is the movie that does it it metaphorically kills 
innocence and purity two times yep. in the movie. And both times, like the first time it's upsetting. Uh-huh. Because the first time it's like you have to watch, uh, you have to watch her try and process through death. Like it's all around her. Death is the status quo now. Yeah. And you have to watch this girl as it, as it creeps closer and closer and closer to her, to her lived experience. Um, where it's touching things that she she feels some kind of relationship with, whether it's her mother, whether it's the fireflies, um, trying to process through that, not being able to, not having the perspective, the life experience, and then ultimately succumbing herself to this this unstoppable, all-consuming force that she doesn't and can't possibly understand. Right. It's fuck. <laughs> it's 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 heavy, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, because also in addition to like watching her act like she, we, right before she dies of, um, malnutrition, she's starting to hallucinate and you have to see her, um, like you have to see Seta kind of like watching her, um, get to that point. And he still thinks there's like a little bit of hope, even though like she's seeing, uh, rocks as rice balls and she has no energy and like the last thing I guess she ever tastes is watermelon which nice um, but uh, it's it's just on the brink of her getting a, a, a nutritious big meal mm-hmm. and it's like that extra bit of tragedy really adds to it and and, and uh, just the the also having to watch say to prepare for her her like cremation mm-hmm. and him going through the town and it being so commonplace that the the guy's just like yep here's a here's a basket for your child um with all the the things make sure you do it the right way and it's like damn like it's so people are so desensitized to this to the death of children because it happens so often that like this guy is so blase about it um, and I totally get why, uh, Sata would never return to that location after his, cause it's the place where his little sister died. And, and the place, like you say, like when he, it's not like he was turning to anyone else for emotional support. He was just trying to get done what he needed to get done. But the way that reality, that loss is approached with such casual indifference because it is so commonplace. Right. Yeah. No. Why would you, why would you ever go back there? <laughs> um, I mean, but then it seems like from that point on, he just kind of lived in, in the, the train station with nowhere else to go and then eventually starved to death. Yep. Yep. Um, so that was a bummer. Uh, it's pretty bleak. Yeah. It's a pretty bleak story. Yeah. But look, to be fair, the reality of what it's depicting is pretty friggin bleak yes um and i think that like and when they were originally thinking about uh, adapting the short story animation was chosen because they felt like it was the best medium to show to actually like depict what the landscapes looked like like you couldn't do like a big scorched earth landscape in live action at that time because like you know you would have had to just burn down a place right um whereas in animation you can really show the depths and and the the how uh horrible the those those scenes were in as much detail as you can 
um, and you get to have people interacting with those spaces. Um, and I, I'm glad I eventually, like I think 2005, they decided to make a live action version. I saw that they remade this looked like twice, I think two separate times. The yeah. Live action. I'm never going to watch the live action version. I don't think I could handle it. Yeah. Honestly. Um, though I think that like, I will, I, I feel like it would be, which is a weird thing to say. I think, I think it would be easier to deal with in live action. Whereas like animation, I feel like is so expressive and, um, the, the way that, uh, Setsuko is portrayed you get to maintain that innocence whereas like I feel like a child actor wouldn't necessarily be able to capture it as well hmm. um, and you could also have those extreme body transformations that we got with like um, Seta being super skinny and gross and stuff and now they can CG it but not in 2005 right. um, so I'm sure I would have been like okay I can handle this because it feels like a stage play. All right. Um, fair enough. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to watch it cause it's going to make me sad. Also fair enough. Yeah. Um, I, I had forgotten how much of a bummer the movie was. Uh, and I forgot the, f- the like framing technique. I, 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 I appreciated it more in that. Like they do have those sequences where you're kind of, you're in the moment and then you shift a little bit right and there is his ghost and the ghost of Setsuko and you're like, oh yeah, look at them. And then then they kind of trans- use that to transition into the next scene. And I was like, I appreciate that aesthetically. I love that. Um, oh no, something bad's about to happen. <laughs> uh, I, I do appreciate that at the very end of the movie, we we come back around to the little tag on the end of the opening piece of the the framing device, which is when you see them like with the fireflies and they, they like get on that train together and stuff. Yeah. Um, but you see them at the end of the movie and they're in the afterlife together and they look vibrant and they look healthy and they're, they're so like, they're, they're, they're okay. Right. Yeah. And it's the movie just planting a flag and aggressively and pointedly letting us know that in its opinion, death is better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and you know what? Uh, I, I, I watched the movie and I don't disagree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I would, I too would rather be dead than <laughs> starving to death in the midst of a war. Um, yep. I, I think any big giant cataclysmic event that completely turns my, my world around and leaves me destitute, I would rather be a ghost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess if I could, if I could be a ghost and retain like my personality and some sentience and hang out and see what happens without being affected by any of it, I guess that'd be all right. Otherwise, I mean, it depends on my, my like relative quality of life, right? Like, right. am I still ambulatory? Can I, am I still processing thoughts and things like, cause then it's like, well, I, I'm, I probably won't, but I could come out of this relatively okay. Mm. But if not, then yeah, I'll just be a ghost. I mean, I just... Cause when you're a ghost, you can like go through walls and you can fly and stuff. Like you get superpowers. Basically you're like fucking Danny Phantom, bro. You're ghosts. <laughs> I, I got nothing. You know, you have no frame of reference for that. I mean, I've heard you're, of, I've heard of it. Okay. I don't really, Hold I don't on. know what it is. You're like Slimer. Is that better? Yeah. I mean, I guess is that I, more I, appealing. I get the reference, but it makes your whole, your point make less sense. 
All right. Well, it's like a cool ghost. It's right. like a cool ghost. All right. <laughs> cool ghost. Who's like, boo. <laughs> it's like takes a takes a drag on a camel cigarette. Like, boo. Nah. Go smoke cools. <laughs> Go smoke cool. Fine. Fair enough. Oh, man. Anyways, um, do you have any final thoughts about this movie? I mean, look, uh, it, it's it's excellent if this is something you want to do to yourself. Yes. I mean, I think it's I think it's definitely worth a view just for just to appreciate the storytelling and the aesthetics and how relatable it is. Um, I think that this was a real marvel of a of a movie. And I think that like whether you enjoy anime or anime animation in general, I think that you can still take so much away from this. And I think it is worth like enjoying this lived experience, especially going in knowing that it is based on the actual occurrences of a person's life. And it really helps you kind of feel how uh, people are affected by big war things. Like this could easily, if you were to try to adapt this story, it could easily take place, let's say in Syria or Lebanon or uh, Israel, any of those places that are uh, in the midst of constant war because of, sometimes American things um, you you could just as easily tell the story in those contexts mm-hmm. and it would be just as relevant and I think that that is in a way it's a very tragic thing um, but I think it's also a testament to how good the storytelling is the way the movie is crafted and the artistry involved in putting those things together agreed yeah um, so let us know what you thought of Grave of the Fireflies. Did it make you cry? Are you emotionless and you were like, he should have just dropped his, his sister off with his aunt? Um, or are you feel another way? I don't know. Those are the only two that I can think of. Um, let us know. You can do so at Missing Outcast, M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. But you can also hit us up on our personal social media lex michael where can they find you i am on twitter and instagram at the lex michael i'm also on those platforms at tari j t-a-u-r-i-j-a-y don't you join us next week as well uh but until then this is the retrospective that is introspective and now you have a new perspective all the fireflies are dead, kids. Enjoy. <laughs> enjoy enjoy this nice, this nice piping hot slice of war with a piece of melted yellow cheese on top. Hell yeah. Hell Life yeah. is fleeting. Enjoy it while you have it. Wah. <laughs> Fucked up. <laughs>